Welcome to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I'm your host, Linda Malone, Certified Conversion Copywriter and Copy Strategist. Join me each week as I speak with experts in the fields of marketing, copywriting, decision-making, psychology, and more, all with one goal, to help you attract your ideal customers and inspire them to take action. My guest today is Andre Persolja. Andre is the founder of Tangible Growth at NailYourPositioning.com. He is a positioning strategist who works with SaaS founders to help them build product market fit and unlock the next stage of growth. He says he's a loud extrovert and a group of close friends, but he's a shy introvert when it comes to meeting new people. So in today's talk, Andre talks about the definition of positioning versus some other similar marketing terms that it's often confused with, the impact of positioning on a company and some of the major mistakes to avoid in your positioning. Let's dive right in. So Andre, thank you so much for, for being here today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I, I know I listened to your podcast for, for a while now and I enjoyed it. You know, the, the talk that you had, I think it was with Luigi about the sales messages and the generic sales messages. It just, you know, it hit home because it's a lot of what I preach on LinkedIn. So, you know, genetic is bad and all that stuff. So yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, I'm glad, yeah, you had a chance to listen to some of the interviews. And if you, if you did, you probably know I haven't actually targeted positioning yet. So this is why I'm excited to have you on because I've covered branding and marketing in general and all those things. So can you start with a little bit of background about what positioning is, how it relates to the different aspects of marketing and is it related to brand? How is it related to brand? Yeah, it's it's in, it's interesting actually because when I stumbled across positioning, I never heard about it for right. It's not taught in business schools. It's not taught in startup programs. And yet, for us and for the startups I work with, it brings results, right? So, why is it that is that it's uncharted? And that's what I was asking myself when I started in positioning. And the way I see it, this the way I see it, it's yeah, it's part of the branding process usually that's why maybe it's not so much thought about as being a part of the the building your business but it's about building your brand and i think that this is sort of kind of wrong i don't want to say exactly wrong but it's the branding process deals with emotions with the intangible with the intangible with the fonts and the colors and you know what kind of design do we need to invoke emotions and so on and that part is important when when you're building a brand that's definitely important but positioning sort of is sort of the opposite of that it's the logical part of branding and it's the tangible part if you will and they both sort of have to work together but because positioning is often done by branding specialists i think it's sort of been categorized as the same thing as part of the branding process whereas in truth it has nothing really to do with the brand. Um, it's completely a choice to not build a brand, but you still need to have your position sorted out, right? So you could be not have, like you could be an e-commerce, but still have a position on the market without building a brand. So yeah, sort of it's put out there with, with the branding, but I sort of see it like this yin and yang. They have to work together, like the brand, the branding process and the positioning process. And actually, this is what I try to be different because uh, the branding process is because it speaks to emotions, it speaks to, you know, your feelings and so uh, I try to be different because positioning can can actually 
bring tangible results. And I try to be as tangible as possible. I try to measure positioning, even though it's difficult, but I, I try to make it as tangible as possible. And this is actually my differentiation on the market. Okay. I like that. It's almost like a left brain, right brain thing. It's yeah. how you describe it. Because right brain would be like the creative part, the colors, the, you know, and like you said, the emotional part. And what's interesting too is that you know, research shows that we make decisions based on emotion, but then we justify it on logic. So how would you explain positioning to somebody who doesn't even know what it is? Positioning is about how you present your product or your service, whatever you're selling, your brand, so that customers understand it. So I sort of, I like April Dunford's definition that positioning is the context around what you're selling. So the context around the product, the context around your service. The thing is that our brain likes to categorize stuff, right? So whenever we see something new, like a new product, a new service, it needs to understand the context of that product. And are we now talking about a new TV, a new phone, a new blog website? What, like, what are we even like define the, the frame that we're working within? And this is usually actually something that I see people, uh, people and companies actually go, go wrong with it because companies tend to experiment with, with the market category. So by like with their, they try to experiment with defining who they are and they're trying to create new and new categories. Like we're going to be the leaders in something that doesn't exist yet. So we're going to create a smart clock or whatever, and then they they come up with okay so now we have a smart clock and the customers are like what what is that i don't i have no like i don't get it and then the company wonders for where, where it all went wrong like, you know we don't have conversions we have people are clicking on our ads and so no you're just being too creative you're making a clock with some additional features just say it like say it like it is don't try to invent stuff when, when positioning your content, the, the message needs to be clear. Otherwise, it's not understood. Is it also partly that instead of talking to your customers first or potential customers and then seeing where there is a need in the marketplace versus just coming up with some, some idea you think is brilliant and it doesn't make any sense? Like, no one's asked for that. No one's asked for a clock that, you know, it does. Yeah. That. Like, is that part of it as well? Like, yeah, you know, I guess so. I think, especially in startups, there is like this tendency to create a product first and then place it onto, onto the market. Whereas in the, in, in whole truth, the, the opposite should be true every single time. So, you know, start with the problem, start with the customer problem. Like what's, what's the problem? What's the pain that, that the customer has and how can we solve it? And then the solution is your product, which because like people, we are people or entrepreneurs are so crazy with the ideas. We tend to have ideas, like a lot of ideas and they're good ideas. I'm not saying they're bad, but the issue is we started with the ideas. We produce the products. We do the products. We iterate the products. We add features and so on, but we never ask ourselves, will this work? Will this work in the real world? And actually, and this is part of my, my this week's newsletter. It was actually just, just. An example that, that came to mind now. So I have this example in, in this week's newsletter where uh, Lexus, the Japanese manufacturer uh, of cars, 
made the perfect car, right? And it was an Lexus LFA. And it was basically, it was perfect to drive. It had the best sound, the best looks and everything. And it was the best car that they could produce that nobody ever bought. Or maybe I think 400 people bought it, bought it because nobody actually wanted to spend half a million bucks on a Lexus where you could have a Ferrari at half the price, a Lamborghini at half the price, a Nissan GTR that drives just the same at 75,000 bucks. And so it's, it's the same when, when you're building a company, you're trying to perfect the product, but nobody wants a perfect product. We want products that saves us our problems or it's a solution to our problem, right? We don't want perfection. We just want a solution. And that's, I think, where companies go wrong. Yeah. And that brings me to my next question. So, I mean, what happens? Well, how does positioning affect companies? So you sort of started down that road, but. Yeah. So what is it that goes, how does positioning affect the company? That was my, my question. Yeah. So I think the best line, uh, analogy that I, that I came up with was that strong positioning feels sort of like having wind in your sails, pushing you forward, like an invisible, uh, invisible force pushing you forward. Whereas poor positioning is like an anchor holding you back. And, you know, you keep working and you keep, you know, trying and changing your approach and trying to changing the messaging, testing, testing the landing pages, testing the channels, but nothing seems to be working. And because it's people just don't respond to your product. And it's difficult because poor positioning symptoms actually hide in marketing and sales KPIs. So you're not going to see that you have a positioning problem directly. You're going to see that you have poor conversion rates or poor sales and people not not responding to your cold emails or to your marketing materials. You you know, you have long sales cycles. These are all things that are difficult to, to define. So basically you have, you see them as a marketing, as a sales problem. So at the end of the year, we're not going to reach our target. Why is that? Well, we had poor leads or you have, or we, had, we did, didn't even have enough leads or our call to outreach didn't work. But you're not going to see positioning written somewhere like you have poor positioning. You have to figure that out because it hides as a marketing or as a sales problem. And actually, if, you know, if I wanted to make my job easier, if I was like a freelance copywriter, I would just try to work with companies that have their positioning figured out because having your positioning nailed just makes the job you know, so much easier. So that would be actually my advice for, for copywriters. Just just find companies that have their positioning figured out. A lot of times the ones that don't, well, it's from everything you just said, they don't even know it, right? How do you know? Like how, if, if it's hides, you know, in sales and how do you, what is it that makes you, should make you test it or at least look at positioning as a problem? Yeah, so the issue is actually how we think about positioning because and how we think about strategies in general, because positioning is a strategy. And at the end of so when you do a strategy, what you get at the end is a hypothesis, right? So it's a theory. So for example, we, before we had an example with the Alex, Alexis LFA and their theory was that if we build a perfect car, people will actually buy it. And now we have, now we have a theory. Now we have an assumption and. What you can do right now is option A, you can design and build that car or option B, you can test if that's true. 
And what companies do is choose option A, and that's what exactly what Lexus did, right? So basically, they spent millions and millions of dollars and 10 years of, of time and effort and built that car, and then nobody bought it, right? And actually, what we should do is do option B. So test if that's true and do that all the time because a strategy is just basically making an informed decision when some new data presents at your doorstep, right? And it's just it's just making that decision. We, we can either go A or B or maybe C and that's it. And so what you should do is constantly work on your positioning, never, never even stop. So basically you have like every company wants to improve their product market fit, right? That's the, it's the, you know, the golden stuff that you can like, the golden prize that you get at the end of the game. And because once you achieve product market fit, you can scale. And so if, if we break this down, right? If we, if we break product market fit down, on one hand, you have a product and we all know product. So we know how to build it. We know how to define it, we know how to iterate it, we know how to improve it, we can add features to it and so on. It's something tangible, it's physical, we, we understand it. Even if it's a service, we can still make it tangible by showing our process in Miroboard or something like that. But anyway, we, we understand the product. But then you have the second part, which is the market fit. And that's basically positioning. So how are you presenting the product? And we, you know, entrepreneurs are really quick to iterate the product, but they forget about the market fit. And what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to basically do the same with the market fit part. So the positioning part. So I try to growth hack positioning, if you will. So you iterate positioning the same way you iterate your product. And so you develop it as you go along. So you add a new feature, you check how that affects your new, your new positioning. You change your service, you add something to your offer. And then you, you figure out how does that affect my positioning? So for example, I am a positioning guy. I'm a positioning strategist. If I now add market, for example, marketing services or go to market strategies to my service, what does that make with my positioning? Because I, I now have a problem. I'm no longer a positioning guy because I do market stra marketing strategy strategies as, as well. Right. And so we need to think about this when we're making strategic decisions. So how do you know you shouldn't ever just, you should iterate your positioning all the time. So just think about how do customer, my customers see me, how do they perceive me? What's my perceived value? Okay. So is it something, it sounds like something that shouldn't really change. Is that like throughout time? Like when I do value proposition analysis for my clients, I tell them that if your product changes, your value props can change. So you should always be aware of that. Is it is that like that with positioning or is it, it sounds like it's more of a major thing. Like I see positioning from what you're describing is almost like the backbone of everything else that we do. What will cause it to change, if anything? Yeah, it's so positioning is what I like to call everything we do with, before we come up with, with the marketing plan and our messaging as well. Because yeah, it's the basis of, of every marketing strategy, basically. What would make a change if you wanted to like penetrate a new market, if you wanted to, so let's say that you have a product and you want to, so in the beginning, you started with selling that product to solopreneurs, right? To solo businesses. 
and you only worked with them. And so your positioning was really clear. We have this service or we have this product for these people and that's it. Or we help them achieve this goal and that's it. And then you wanted to expand your market. So now we work with solo brands as well as enterprise brands or small, small companies or something like that. And now your positioning changes. So now you have to figure out like the values that you give to solo brands and the values that you give to small, medium companies and find a common denominator and that changes your positioning. But then you have like the main, so I'm guessing your, your unique value proposition, your promise to the client will still stay the same because what are you trying to achieve? You're still trying to help them achieve the same goal. It's just a different audience. And because it's a different audience, different values come into play. And then basically you have two choices. You either position yourself under an umbrella term. So basically that means that you join both target audiences and, and, um, communicate with them at the same time, which sometimes works some, but most, most, most likely comes to, you know, it ends up in, in genetic messaging, or you can have two positions, which is also quite often the case in B2B marketing, because you have, you don't have one buyer at the end of the day, you have a buying committee, you know, you have the, the marketing, the vice president of marketing, the CEO, the product guy, the sales manager. So you need to convince all of them, but these people have different values. So you need to position your product differently for each and every one of them. So what happens is, is at the meetings, you know, you have basically different, you, you, you're using different positions based on who you're talking to at the meeting. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say what comes to mind is I used to follow a makeup artist on YouTube. And what was interesting with her, and tell me if this is, to me, this is a clear positioning change. She used to do all these makeup tutorials. And she would occasionally throw in a video, celebrities who were Instagram perfect, but in real life, they weren't like that. So she would call them out. That ended up being, it was a gradual thing. She had so much good response to that. She now does no more makeup tutorials. Everything she does, is about body acceptance. Is that like what you would consider a complete change in position? Yeah, that would uh, that would be like a natural evolution, I would guess, because especially with you know with freelancing, consulting, advising, and so on, you sort of want to follow what you like. And so at the moment, I'm I'm talking about positioning, and I'm working with startups and, and B2B startups and, and startup founders. But, you know, after three years or so, you want to maybe change and want to change your perspective a bit. You change your target audience, you find some new, new challenges and so on. And so there is a natural evolution that you're gonna be going through because it's just life, you know, it's like, yeah. And, and, but the, the, the important thing is that with these changes, your positioning has to reflect reflect them. It has to reflect these changes. Otherwise, you know, you just keep saying I'm a positioning guy, but you're actually going to be, I don't know, a market, I don't know, a marketing leader in a big company or something. You're no longer a positioning guy, you know? Yeah. yeah. So in that case, it was sort of, it was a natural thing because the audience is probably very much the same. There are women who were concerned about their appearance. And then she, you know, and they probably, a lot of them 
were unhappy with the way they looked. And then she started going more into that and it turned into like, I just found it interesting how she does nothing about makeup now and it's a complete switch. Yeah. But you had mentioned earlier about copywriting and positioning. So how, how can you use positioning to improve copywriting? Yeah. So positioning, as we, as we established before, positioning is basically all that you do before you do your marketing plan. So before you do your messaging. And so the basically positioning is the basis for your writing. And so to improve messaging, to, you know, really produce high quality results, you should really ask yourself some question to determine your product's positioning. And you're probably already doing that naturally, but I would use, you know, the questions like maybe what's, what's the one problem the customer is trying to solve or, you know, what's the the dreamland that they're buying. So what's their goal? What's their wish? What do, what do they want to ac accomplish? And these are questions I refer to them as problem solution fit in, in my, in my, um, uh, workshops, but it's basically knowing your customer's problem and transformation. So where they are now, where do they want to go? And I'm, I'm guessing you have something similar in, in copywriting. And then obviously the question, for example, how is this product different to everything else uh, else out there? So what's your differentiation? Differentiation is basically, it's the one single most important thing in positioning. So how can we eliminate the competition? How do we make the competition irrelevant? It's like a value proposition. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, I, I would say that's the, that's the final one. It's what, what's, what's the value that the customer is buying? So does the product help them do something faster, you know, better, cheaper, whatever. And so these are the questions, this, this determine the basis of positioning and you don't need, not need much more to, to make compelling messages, I guess. So, but if you, if you find, like we talked before, if, if you find a company that, that can answer these questions, because some of it don't and if they can answer these questions you have at least a strong basis for your writing because you still have to do the writing right you still need to figure out your tone and like a lot of small details like i was i was impressed i saw a post a couple of weeks ago and it was like just just the punctuation what difference does it make like how how differently the the sentence sounds when you put a different punctuation at the end of the line and it's, it was like, there is already so much work that copywriters have to do that they shouldn't be the ones figuring out positioning as well. Right. So, um, yeah, if, yeah. And so if, if, if the founders of the company can answer these questions confidently, then, you know, you have a good client. Yeah. And surprisingly, a lot of them don't like when it comes to value position. And my last question, so is there one thing that you shouldn't do in positioning, something maybe you see often? Yeah, I would say, I would say what I, what I mentioned before. So don't keep it static because I, I once saw the, the stats somewhere, apparently about half of the companies, I think it was about 45 or 46% of the companies fail because they fail to achieve product market fit. And that's half of them. That's half of the companies fail because they fail to achieve product market fit. And, you know, as I said before, we have, why do they fail? Because we all know product. We know we, we can all do products. We all have these ideas, but we fail to test 
in the market, right? Do like, do the customers even want the solution that, that, that we are producing? It seems and, logical, so it's surprising. Yeah, it, it does seem logical, but the, the issue is that, you know, mo most of it still like most companies still do the same, the same thing. So in the first two or three years, most of the startups come up with like, with the pro like with the products that they want to place on the market. And then they're now trying to figure out who are they going to sell the solution to, but it's the, it's the wrong way around, isn't it? Exactly. Right. Yeah. It should be the other way. So, so yeah. So where can people find you? They want to find out. Um, yeah, I, I have one channel, so I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, specificity. So, you know, I have one channel, this is LinkedIn, <laughs> uh, you can find, you can find me on LinkedIn. I just launched my newsletter. So if you're interested in everything related to positioning, and I do have, do cover some topics next to that, mostly marketing and psychology of how we buy. And yeah, so, so if you are interested, I do have a newsletter and yeah, follow me on LinkedIn and ping me. I'm, I'm awesome. happy to talk about positioning anytime. Great. This has been so interesting and important information. I'm really happy that you took the time to talk to me today. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for your questions. And I'll, I'll be happy to, to be back anytime you want, Melinda. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, so that wraps up today's episode. I hope you found it valuable. And if you did and you enjoyed it, please be sure to share it with friends and business associates who may find it of interest as well. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to follow me on LinkedIn or you can reach out to me through my website at thecopyworks.com and we'll talk to you soon.